0: Make Walters your spot for this NFL season. All indoor TVs are preset and are first come, first serve. They're proud to show every NFL game every week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, Ball center field, young going back, still back on the warning track, slowing up, and this ball is gone. Alfonso Rivas with his third home run this year in the big leagues. He had nine earlier in the season at Triple A in the Padres organization. And the Pirates two hits or two solo home runs. And here with two out of the bottom of the fifth, it's Pittsburgh two and Washington nothing. Had only three base runners. Now the pitch swung on. It's popped up. Third base side playable for Triolo. The third baseman into foul ground, and he makes the catch, and the game
1: is over. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, September 15th, 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the pod, but I'm pleased to be joined by the mastermind of the Nats Chat podcast, Tim Shovers. So we on Thursday afternoon had the shortest nine inning regular season game for the Nats since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. A two-nothing loss at the Pittsburgh Pirates and Game four of a four-game series in which the Nats lost three games, the last three games. The game moved at like warp speed. The time of game ended up being one hour, 50 minutes. This is like a throwback to the 1910s, what we had on display on Thursday afternoon but this game also clinched the Nats having a fourth consecutive losing regular season obviously nobody is surprised by that but it is now official the Nats uh, for this regular season 65 and 82 that is the second worst record in the National League. And uh, the September swoon continues. That's now just 4-13 and 13 over their last 17 games. Starting pitcher Josiah Gray on Thursday afternoon was really good. was so good to see that. We'll get to that in a bit. But Tim, I tell you, if you like your baseball games quick, you certainly got that on Thursday afternoon.
2: Oh, this was such a pleasure, Al. I love quick baseball. I love afternoon baseball. And when the two come together, to me, it is peak regular season experience. September, sort of midweek, busy time. This was just a really, really fun day of baseball, I thought.
1: So like I said, baseball used to be like this like 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago. You strike me as someone who might have fit in well in those times in terms of going to games in a suit, in a hat, and you know, watching games that take like 90 to 100 minutes. Am I correct in saying that, that if you could get in a time machine, you'd go back 100, 100 plus years and be a baseball fan then?
2: Partially, you're 100% yes, absolutely. I am old school, but I also do love modern technology, so the two come together in a funny way. But yeah, what you're describing, Al, like 1927 going to Yankee Stadium and seeing Babe Ruth in a game's hour and 48 minutes, that sounds like a dream, 100%.
1: Yeah. I just love the photos of the crowds from back in the day. And all of the men are in suits and ties, you know, and the women are in these nice dresses. It's like this totally different planet that we're watching. Like what world is that? I mean, that wasn't that long ago, right? And yet like that's unthinkable now in 2023. And not only were they wearing long sleeves in baseball
2: weather, but they had no air conditioning to go home to. People just lived in sweat all the time.
1: That's true. It was a very different world in a lot of ways. So yeah, like I said, this does clinch a fourth consecutive losing regular season for the Nats. So you had the eight straight winning regular seasons, 2012 through 2019, now four straight losing regular seasons, 2020 through 2023. The fascinating thing will be, will we get a fifth straight losing regular season or does the streak end with what goes down next season? Obviously a lot that is going to play into that. So this game moved quickly. There was not a lot to this game at all from a Nationals offensive standpoint. We have seen the Nats have some clunkers offensively in recent years. We certainly saw a clunker on Thursday afternoon. For the Nats in this game, no runs, just two hits, both of which were singles, just one walk. The Nats got dominated by the Pirate starting pitcher Mitch Keller. He tossed eight scoreless innings, seven strikeouts versus one walk. The Nats, two singles in the game. One came from shortstop C.J. Abrams. The other came from third baseman Jake Alou, who had a bunt single. The Abrams single was a leadoff first pitch opposite field single to left field in the top of the first, but he ended up getting picked off at second base. And when you think about it, right, Abrams' first pitch of the game gets a hit. The Nats end up having one hit the rest of the game. This was tough to watch, man. Now look, Mitch Keller is having a pretty good season for the Pirates. At the same time, this offense did nothing in this game.
2: Yeah, this was just real last place, mid-September baseball afternoon, quick game, overmatched lineup, all the things. A lot of guys in there that shouldn't be everyday major leaguers in September. All the ills of being a last place team sort of
1: showed their warts today in Pittsburgh. They did very much. And, you know, you think about the Nats offense, it was never great at any point this season. You then had the trading away of Jamer Candelario Yeah, the injury of Stone Garrett, which, you know, it sounds funny now to say this, but the Nats, I think, do miss him. Now, would he have stayed as hot as he was when he got hurt? I think that's a valid question to ask. Like, was he going to continue to be the productive player he was being for the rest of the season? I don't know about that, but he was doing well. And you know, him going down just kind of coincide with this Nat season really falling off here. And, you know, not that that's the only reason, but I think that is a factor. And, you know, when you throw in things like Lane Thomas calming down his season in terms of what he was pre-All-Star break versus post-All-Star break. And, you know, C.J. Abrams had the Great July, has done some very good things in September, but did not have a particularly good August. And, you know, you're playing a bunch of younger players you're getting games like these. And, you know, the Nats aren't bad in every game, offensively speaking, but uh, there have been a lot of games recently in which there just has not been a lot going on. Quick plate appearances, quick outs, Nats not drawing walks and, you know, continuing to have to rely on things like infield singles and errors and, you know, RBI ground outs, <laughs> you know, things like that. And, of course, that's not a way to make a uh, a true offensive living. But the bright spot for Thursday afternoon and the thing that by far mattered the most was the performance of Josiah Gray. So Josiah Gray in this game on Thursday afternoon made a start for the first time in 11 days. The Nats have been trying a lot of different things with him in order to get him back on track. This has been one of the biggest storylines, maybe the biggest storyline for the Nats over the last month or so. What has happened to Josiah Gray? Well, Gray in this two nothing loss at the Pirates was good. He was good for just a second time in seven starts, but he wasn't just good. He was really good. Josiah Gray on Thursday afternoon, two runs in six into third innings, 10 strikeouts versus no walks. I mean, this was ace-like stuff that Josiah Gray put forth. The 10 strikeouts were his most in a game in this regular season. He gave up five hits, two solo homers and three singles. But how about this? He threw a truckload of strikes. 88 pitches, 62 strikes versus a mere 26 balls. A massive problem for Gray, and his recent bad starts had been throwing a lot of balls. Heck, even in his lone good start in recent weeks prior to this start on Thursday afternoon, Gray threw a ton of balls. Take you back to the 2 1 win at the New York Yankees on August 22nd. Gray in that game, one run in six innings. He did that despite issuing five walks and a hit by pitch, and despite throwing just 50 strikes versus 51 balls over 101 pitches. He threw more balls than strikes in that game. You did not have that in this game. He had a strikes-to-balls ratio better than 2-to-1. Really nice to see Josiah Gray do what he did. Yes, the Pirates are a bad-hitting team, so you have to acknowledge that. But, geez, if ever there was a pitcher on a last-place team in September who needed to have a good outing, it felt like that guy was Josiah Gray.
2: To me, this is one of the best games of the season, if you're a Nats fan. I mean, forget the win-loss for a second. They're, you know, they're whatever. They win 67, they win 68 games. And it's like, if they want to make the playoffs next year, which there is a legitimate path to, Josiah Gray would be a big part of that. And he's pitched terribly lately. And he pitched well today. He dominated the game. And to me, this changes the entire equation right now with him in the immediacy And maybe he can end his season on a high note, which I think would do potentially wonders for him and for morale of the organization. So we'll see what happens following this. But Al, I look at this with 15 games to go. This happens like, man, this was a great day at the ballpark, I thought.
1: I think it was really important that he did this. We had the conversation, Mark and I, after the taping of the previous show. Sometimes I wish we could just record our conversations that take place after we're done taping the show. But you know, I said to Mark, if Gray struggles on Thursday, you really do wonder what's next for him this season. And does he maybe get shut down? Because this was put on a platter for him. I mean, you're given a bunch of extra rest. You're facing, again, one of the worst hitting teams in the majors in the Pirates. Like if you're not going to do well in this spot, when exactly are you going to do well the rest of the season? Well, Gray rose to the occasion and Gray did what he needed to do. He was so good. I had this thought after the game. It was like, maybe the Nats sh- should shut him down and let this be the end, just because this was like, this would be like such a good ending to the season. But I-, I think when you're trying to develop a young pitcher, you don't do that. You don't play scared. Like, there are 15 games left in the Nats' regular season. Gray, in theory, could make three more starts. Like, let's see him make three more good starts and then end the season. Like, let's think about this in a positive way. But it wasn't just that he was good. It was how he was good. Again, 10 strikeouts, no walks, throwing so many strikes as compared to balls. His process at times this season has left a lot to be desired. We've talked about that on the show. Results are one thing. Process is another. And process matters a lot because results can be flukish. You can benefit from good luck. Are you demonstrating good process? Are you throwing strikes? Are you generating strikeouts? Gray hasn't always been doing those things this season. He certainly did those things on Thursday afternoon.
2: Well, Al, there's something I want to work out with you in real time because you mentioned something I thought about before the show. I was mapping out... After this, all right, 15 games left. What would Grace' start schedule be on normal rest? And it's like, okay, Tuesday next week at home against the White Sox. Then it'd be Sunday, home finale against the Braves, which they clinched the division, but maybe they haven't clinched home field yet, so that could matter to them in some form or fashion. And then the next start, would it be Friday in Atlanta, the final weekend, either Atlanta's playing all their minor league guys, or again, it matters, who knows? And I'm thinking, okay, What's the best way to end the season? Cause again, talking about ending on a high note, and I was wondering, okay, is it one start? Is it two starts? Is it three? But maybe it is zero. At some point, it's like these few starts in the macro don't really matter. And should they just take it on and pull it pull a Costanza, for lack of a better term? <laughs> All right. That's it for me.
3: <laughs> Be good,
1: everybody. You can make that case. I don't think it's crazy to make that case, but I don't like the feel of we fear the Braves, two of the three starts would be against the Braves. We don't want him facing the Braves. If the Nats are going to get good again, they're going to have to beat the Braves and their starting pitchers are going to have to do well against the Braves. And so, I would like to think that Josiah Gray would be up for that. And, you know, he's a competitive guy. He's a professional. Like, to me, he should want to face the Braves, and he should want to do well against the Braves. And, look, would it be bad if he got shellacked in two starts against Atlanta? Yeah, it would be. (laughs) Okay, that would not feel good. But think about the flip side. What if he did well? You know, what if he ended his season with not just a gem in a loss at the Pirates, but also two respectable, if not good outings against the Braves mixed in with an outing against the White Sox. I'd love to see that. So, you know, I don't know how likely all of that would be, but I'd like to aim for that. I mean, you know, he's a young guy. You're trying to groom him here. And I think these starts, in addition to being, you know, efforts or learning experiences, they are chances to learn, they are chances to get better. He still has a ways to go in terms of learning and getting better. So I would hate to just punt on those opportunities. But, you know, it's such a quirky schedule that the Nats have. And you look at how the regular season ends with each of the last nine games being against the Braves or the Orioles. You have seven games against Atlanta over the final nine games. I mean, that is so odd. You play the Braves 13 times this regular season. Seven of the 13 come over the final nine games. That That's just that's wacko to me that that's the case. But that is the case. I mean, the schedule ain't changing. So we'll see. I think the other thing too would be, you know, we don't know specifically about Gray. Is he on a workload limit? So can he make three more starts? Do they want to limit it to one or two more starts? Like, where are we with that? That's information that we don't have. Hey, are you a law firm partner or an associate stuck on an underperforming franchise? Do what Nationals legend Max Scherzer did. Demand a trade. He left the New York Mets, right, and uh, ended up on a contender in the American League. There might be greener pastures and a lot more money at another law firm for you and your team at another law firm, not to mention better management and better services to offer your clients. The law firm lateral partner market is still red hot, and Nat's chat sponsor, Mason Calfis is the best legal recruiter in Washington, D.C., or anywhere, and Mason wants to help you find a new and better home. Mason Kalpas, he is the Scott Boris of legal recruiters. Put him to work for you. Mason will sit down with you and understand your practice and career or financial goals. He will confidentially discuss your candidacy with law firms that are contenders, not 60 win teams. You can reach Mason or any of his team of seven recruiters at 202-486-3535 or email Mason at Mason at Zenith Legal.com. That's 202-486-3535 or via email at Mason at ZenithLegal.com. Go Nats! Uh, the Nats will be contenders very soon, and you can be a contender even sooner.
2: Given the Hollywood strike, SNL might not be coming back anytime soon. If you need your weekend update fix, then the GameTime app has you covered. Game Time will help you get those tickets to see Colin Jost and Michael Che this Friday night at DAR downtown. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And listeners, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSChat for $20 off. Download game time
1: today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi here to tell you about another great deal being offered right now by Window Nation to listeners of the Nats Chat Podcast. Window Nation is offering you even more. When it comes to new windows, Window Nation always gives you more, but now Window Nation is giving you even more. more. <laughs> uh, the more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off, plus a lot more. Pay nothing for 2 years. Another amazing deal on the great windows that Window Nation can provide to listeners of the Nats Chat podcast. Save up to 50% with the purchase of a house of windows. You know, even given what has been happening with interest and mortgage rates, Window Nation still is keeping 0% interest for two years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and tell WindowNation that you want the great deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, the more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off plus you pay nothing for two full years. That's 866-90-NATION or WindowNation. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi from the Nats Chat Podcast sent you.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: Here's your Dylan Cruz update for the game played on Thursday in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Cruz left field hitting second 0 for 2. Did score a pair of runs. Walked three times. One strikeout. He's hitting 185 OPS at 551. Brady House did homer his third since getting called up to A. The Senators defeated the Bowie Bay Sox 8-5. Now back to the show. <music> Well, you know, you go through the dog days of the the rebuild uh, and, you know,
1: you
3: just hope to get an opportunity to, you know, have some of the glory that, you know, the rebuild brings you. And, th- you know, that's kind of was my thought process.
1: Good stuff from the Nats bullpen. This will not be remembered for long because this was, you know, a four game series between two bad teams in September, but... The Nats' bullpen in this series at the Pirates ended up being really good in the 2-0 loss at the Pirates on Thursday afternoon. Two Nats relievers, Jordan Weems and Jose A. Ferrer, combined for one and two-thirds perfect innings with three strikeouts. The Nats' bullpen really was excellent over the four games at the Pirates. Nats' relievers in the series combined to allow one run in 12 and a third innings. So, the big topic with the Nats... Certainly in the last few days and, you know, really going back weeks now is what's going on with the front office now with the announced contract extension for Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo. The announcement coming on Wednesday morning. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on this. You could always uh, email us, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We got this email from Joel Charney, who always sends us very smart, well-thought emails about the Nats and Major League Baseball. Here is uh, Joel's email in part. Given the ownership situation, there was really no choice but to extend Rizzo since no promising general manager candidates were going to stake their futures on an ownership that may or may not be around for the long haul. So the fates of the learners and Rizzo were inextricably linked. Despite this reality, the decision itself is disappointing. Mike Rizzo is 62 years old, There is no way that he's going to be able to adjust his core traditional approach and adopt analytical methods as the foundation of his strategy, nor is any up and coming analytical star going to want to be supervised by someone so old school. So what you see is what you get now and in the near future. Al, you used to call Rizzo the ninja for for his incredible skill at making the right trades to strengthen the Nats roster. And the Juan Soto trade is well on its way towards being another Mike Rizzo ninja move. But the other components of the organization building have been mediocre to poor, sticking with Rizzo as the overall leader offers little hope that this will change. I would have gone for finding the next Mike Elias and have that person solidify the organization so that the success can be sustained. Best wishes, Joel. Some really good and interesting points I thought from Joel in that email. Mark and I, of course, talked a bunch about the uh, Mike Rizzo extension on the last installment of the podcast. Where is Tim Shovers on Rizzo being extended?
2: Huge fan of it. Really happy to see him back. Always been a big fan of Mike Rizzo and not just going off, well, he built 2019 and ending the conversation there. I think he has adapted to some new age thinking, and I think he's done a very impressive job with this rebuild. There's some flaws in this rebuild right now. I don't know if they have enough pitching when push comes to shove next year, but with a little bit of buy-in from ownership, I do think that they can get there, and you won't get laughed out of the room this winter saying that the Nats are competing for a wild-card spot. And, cover was very bare when the rebuild began, and yes, he was part of that, but to me, the cover being bare was just the tax of years-long approach of trying to win the World Series every year before Ted Lerner passed away. That was the goal of the franchise, for Ted Lerner to see a World Series champion. You know, nature was an everyday factor, and he delivered on it. The tax was a very barren rebuild. We've gotten through it. It could have been three years. It looks like he did it in two So I'm glad to see what he has in store for us.
1: Yeah, I would just say this. I don't think that them contending is why their farm system ended up being so bad. I think their farm system ended up being so bad because they didn't draft well. I think there are too many examples of good teams drafting well to blame not drafting well on not picking high in first rounds. I think we've seen that with the Braves. We've seen that with the Dodgers. We've seen that with the Rays. I think it's an excuse that the Nats and people who want to defend the Nats put out there. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, but I think that it's not unreasonable to say contend and also still have a good farm system. I think a lot of teams can do that. Now, it's not easy, and it is made maybe more difficult by contending, but it is doable. And that the team, you know, didn't, like, it's not just that the farm system wasn't that good. The farm system was atrocious when they embarked on this rebuild. Like, I think that's, that's what really sticks with me. Like, you'd be willing to accept, well, the farm system was mediocre. Okay, like that happens. The farm system had like nothing going on. And, you know, that article that Baseball America put out that came out this past July 4th of how the Nats had not developed hitters who hit home runs in the majors with any kind of frequency that was one of those things that just slapped you right across the face of like, what is going on here? And how does something like that happen? And I think it's hard to overcome that. Now, you know, like we've said with Mike Rizzo, he has done so many good things here that if ever there was someone who had the right, had earned the right to, you know, general manage his way out of a situation that was bad that he had general managed his way into, I think you could argue it is Mike Rizzo. There is so much to be proud of from his run, running Nationals baseball operations. But I just think any sober analysis of this has to include that it was his baseball ops department. That led to them having to go into this rebuild to begin with. And I just think it's hard to get past that. And, you know, I would love to think that what is happening now with the front office with these recent changes is Mike's way of fixing what was wrong. And maybe that's going to happen. But I think Joel makes a good point. Like Mike is 62. And it's not that, you know, you're capable of change at 62. But chances are you are kind of set in your ways and you kind of are who you are and the game of being a baseball executive is constantly changing and there is like this war now this uh, data war this information war and people get left behind all the time and and i guess my biggest worry with Mike Rizzo and with the Nats is that they're getting left behind that you know while they're trying to figure stuff out and they're going through this ownership uncertainty and they're maybe now going to embrace analytics a little bit more You have teams like the Braves and the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Rays, all these teams that have been at the cutting edge of this stuff, not only continuing to do well, but advancing in ways that you're not even aware of, you know? Like one of the things that Rizzo said in that video conference on Wednesday morning that was interesting was there's like all this uh, like sports science data now, like the StatCast data. And a big challenge for teams is knowing what to do with this data. Because what goes on now is these teams are presented with all of this data. And then it like the onus is on the team to do something with the data. You know, MLB provides this data and then you as an organization have to figure out what to do with it. What does it mean? Translate it. How do you make it work for you? These teams that are ahead of the Nats in terms of analytics and sports science, they are ahead of the Nats when it comes to interpreting this stuff. We have no idea what a team like the Braves has going on behind the scenes to where the Braves are at a point now where you would think they are far ahead of the Nats when it comes to this data and this information. And so it's not just trying to keep up with these teams, it's trying to catch up to these teams. And I just would ask the question, what you're doing now, extending Mike Rizzo and you know making some changes beneath them, is that going to be enough to catch up to a team like the Braves in terms of the information wars? And I hope that the answer is yes, but I do have my doubts.
2: All great points. I respect everything that you said, everything that Joel said. Uh, a few things that come to mind in response to that. You can't get past where things were with the baseball ops department and the drafting and all that, which is totally understandable. I would say, though, that Mike Rizzo was playing the hand that he was dealt because, again, the goal of the franchise was just to win the World Series every year, have enough pitching, and try and win in October, and they got eight consecutive winning seasons, and it ended with a World Series title. The goal wasn't to do it the slow, grinding way. That just wasn't what ownership wanted. Yes, he made mistakes. Like, Seth Romero, there's some terrible draft picks in there. I would also then say to that, Al, respect to all the data, but still, it's like, at the end of the day, it's putting together a winning baseball team. It's like finding good pitchers, good defense, and good hitters. So, like, I still do trust Mike Rizzo to be able to get to that point point in field a big league roster. And I, like, like some of his moves that he's done. The, the Soto trade was great. The Ruiz and Gray output were really good in return. And then final thing to this, Al is that, yes, they are behind teams. They were probably the last team to get in line with Moneyball, but they were going the other way. They were going to spend big money on pitching way, which does have its perks. It resulted in a World Series title. They're catching up to it now. This is the in-between period, but they have made strides in the last few years, and I think that more is to come on that front.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, there's not one way to win. And there are a lot of ways that can take you to being good. But as the sport continues to evolve and as there are things happening behind the scenes with teams that we have no idea about, you know, because teams are very secretive about this stuff. I think a constant worry that you have to have when you're not in a good place as an organization is not just how far behind you are, but how much you're going to have to do to catch up and surpass these teams. And it's going to take a lot. And I hope that the Nats are up for that. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Mike Rizzo is staying. And, you know, it's going to end up being one of the longest tenures for any Washington, D.C. sports executive. This really is something. I mean, he got hired by the Nats in 2006. He gets promoted to interim GM in 2009 and has been the GM since then. You know, you think about across baseball, all of the changes that happen, you know, every year. But even just over, like, say, a five year period, like, think about the New York Mets, how many different front office hirings and firings they've had over just the last, say, five years, you know, managerial hirings and firings. And that the Nats have had the same guy running baseball operations since 2009 really is something. And of course, the Nats have had their share of managerial changes, right? But the constant has been Mike Rizzo, who's going to end up being here, you know, barring something shocking for a decade and a half plus. That is pretty crazy. That's not something that you see a lot in sports, certainly not in baseball, but uh, we have it here in D.C.
2: I believe that breeds continuity. I like what the Heat have built in the NBA, for example. So I like that the Nats are going to come out of the rebuild on the other side of a World Series championship, run of last place, come out of it with the same GM and manager who were there for the Apex before in Game 7. To me, that creates good culture within the building.
1: You tell us what you think, hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on our website too, NatsChatPodcast.com, at which you can buy a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit TimNewmark.com. Next up for the Nats is a three game series at the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers Friday through Sunday. Game one Friday night at 8 10. Jake Urban will be the Nats starting pitcher. For Tim Schovers, I'm Al Galdy. We thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.
0: Seven to five, the Senators on top. There's a drive into center field and deep. Racing back Williams. It's over his head and it's off the fence. House held up at first, so he is around to third, and Morales is into second base with a stand-up double. That ball went an estimated 402 feet, 104 miles an hour.